When looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Well, excuse me! Looking for good ideas for life? You're far from good hands. Hey, bud, what's your problem? If you think the listener is always right, you're far from the right place. Out of order! Even in the future, nothing works! Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, but a rebel by choice. Are you threatening me? If you want a host that floats between love and madness, and we know the night is always gonna be here anyway. Thinking of you's working up my appetite, looking forward to a little afternoon delight. Then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. All right, guys, uh, listen to the blues riff and B. Watch me for the changes and try and keep up, okay? Hey there, Friday fans. We know how much you enjoy the movies. Enjoy grabbing your Friday merchandise and interacting with the Friday family, whether it be at conventions or during our particular watch-alongs. Well, when you're looking to get yourself masks, why not check out our friends over at Camp Blood Customs out of New York State and order your specific custom mask from any other films. All orders are made specifically. Your needs and wants are. Make sure you find Camp Blood Customs on Facebook, Instagram, and all over social media and order yours today. Hey y'all, this is Adam Marcus, writer and director of Jason Goes to Hell and Secret Santa, and you are taking a ride on Crazy Train Radio. Badass. Hey folks, it's your least favorite host in the podcast world, Croc, Jonathan Steele. Boy, do we have a good one for you today. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, this episode is a two-parter, I would say, and the reason I'm saying it's a two-parter is A, I want to introduce formally to a new sponsor of the show, the gentleman on the line I will get more into in a minute. But he has a card game out, which is very interesting, called Killers, the card game. And the reason this is interesting, and we all know I am not a shill in booking sponsors just to book sponsors. And I like to have folks that I like the product and it's a good product and 
all that stuff. Something I would buy, all that fun stuff. Because I, like I said, I'm not going to just take folks' money just to do it and get greedy with things. But anyway, so we'll get into that. The other part of this is this gentleman, when we met in person over at Scarefest over in Lexington, Kentucky, a couple weeks weekends ago, it was nice to meet in person and whatnot. And Jeff, our guest here, who is the owner of the card game and everything else like that, did a serial killer panel during the weekend, which you can actually see the video exclusive to our YouTube where he breaks down everything. And we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. But we want you to also see the full panel. So that's why I want to dive a little bit into that as well. Jeff, how are you doing? I know you've been busy. Oh, always busy. It's crazy. I am uh, running all over the place trying to, you know, get things done and take care of business. And, uh, you know, you just keep making it happen. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, just like I can't sit still right now trying to adjust this goddamn camera so that uh, I don't have Charles Manson looking over my shoulder uh, as we're talking. So, uh. well, if it makes you, if it makes you feel any better, I got a Hulk Hogan there from circa 1985. Nice, the, good stuff. The Sports Illustrated. So the one thing I say about that, and that's a whole nother topic, is they say he was the first pro wrestler on SI, but it was actually, what the hell's his name? I'm having a brain fart. It'll come to me. I, you know, from Oklahoma got, he was a, also a badass boxer as well. So wow. yeah. And if now I'm going to Google that right now. <laughs> so what's been going on as I do this? Well, let's start with this as we, as I'm doing the Google thing, killers to card game. How would you, describe this to folks listening if because obviously when i saw you at the convention you had a pretty good fan base come through all weekend yeah it's uh you know it's it's been exciting uh that all of this has happened and you know it wasn't really something that i expected necessarily you know we started this out and i i had decided to create this game and i really kind of thought it was just going to be a you know I'll make a game, I'll buy a copy, a couple of friends will buy a copy, and I'll say I created a game, you know? And, you know, now we are a little over a year and a half in and have sold over a thousand units in eight different countries. And so the game itself is a true crime card game. And so we pull no punches. Uh, it is about killers and it is about, you know, real people and kind of getting into that psychology. So we made it a, a role-playing game, an RPG, if you will, uh, kind of like modeled after D&D, &D, and then made it a card game, kind of like Magic the Gathering. So we could combine those two things and allow people to really get into the mind space and have a safe space to explore some of that and to understand some of these killers better and to understand the people that we have around us that's always been important to me so you know in the game you play as uh you get a stable of five killers the goal is to get 10 kills or be the last killer standing so you abduct and kill your victims 
you try to avoid the police. You try to make sure you don't leave evidence. And then you try to avoid the other players that are trying to beat you. Uh, and you can do that in a variety of different ways. There's all kinds of cards to screw over other players. And uh, you can really kind of dig into that mindset. Well, and before we continue, the gentleman I was thinking of, and I can't believe I forgot his name. So give me the traditional prices, right? Bump, bump, de bump. But the man I was thinking of was Danny Hodge. Oh, okay. Okay. Who boxing, boxer, wrestler, all that fun stuff. Probably one of the toughest men alive at his time up there with Gene LaBelle which I know you would know from mixed martial art. Oh, look at that. So Pedro uh, Morales. Yeah. So uh, I told you this before we could talk about this later, but my dad was a professional wrestler. Yes. And so I have all of his old photos that he collected throughout the years of all the guys that he worked with and, you know, learned from. So anyway, just cause we're talking about wrestling. Yeah, might as well squeeze that in. We'll get that in because Jeff's got some stories as well because of who his father was. So, but with your audience with the game, squeeze me, but damn cheese sticks. No, but with the audience for the game so far in the year and a half, it's been out. What do you notice the response been and the type of people buying the game. Cause obviously also what I saw at the show was you were very interactive. Cause it seems like there was a lot of interaction with folks that you've dealt with online and, or other conventions or what have you. So what's the response been so far? So the, the response has been overwhelmingly good. Uh, you know, there has been some, uh, some backlash, some people that are, uh, not happy with, you know, the direction that we go with things that we don't pull any punches, you know, Albert Fish is in the game, you know, yes, he kills children. And so, you know, there's some backlash because of that. But by and large, uh, the the response that I typically get is, I've been waiting for this all my life. You know, and I have people running up to the booth that are like, oh, my God, you know, I've always wanted to play a game about this. I love it. I watch all the all the documentaries and I, I listen to all the podcasts. So that's by and large what we get. Uh, overwhelmingly, our target audience ends up being uh, middle-aged women that are at home watching true crime documentaries and listening to all the true crime podcasts. Uh, they love it. Uh, and often they get together with their friends and sit down, and they play games, and this ends up being one of their favorite games. So we've gotten a lot of response uh, after people buy it. They end up really enjoying it, and then they buy all of our expansions, which is really nice. So and that's the other thing I wanted to bring up, the, which I saw at the show. What is the expansion compared to the basic game when people make that purchase? So the base game is you get uh, 25 killers, 25 victims, and four scenario cards. So that's your base game. Uh, of course, it comes with the dice. It comes with the rule book. comes with all the tokens. But that plays up to about five people. 
you're a little bit limited with the base game because it doesn't have the weapon cards in it. So you can't get a, you know, a meat cleaver. So you can hack up your, uh, your victims and you can't get like a, uh, some chloroform so that you can knock them out and then cleave them up. Uh, that's what you really get with the expansions. Uh, you get all of the weapon cards and then you get more scenario cards. And those scenario cards are more based on each and every expansion, depending on what it is. So like, for example, we have an organized crime expansion. If you pick up the organized crime expansion, uh, you'll get cards like Hit Gone Wrong, which is a great card. Uh, it kind of sucks for you if you draw it. But basically what you do is if you draw that card, you have to select one of your killers. You have to select one of your opponent's killers. You roll a dice and one of them dies. So, you know, if you go in, uh, again, reality-based game, if you're a hitter and you're going to go in and hit another hitter, uh, you may run the risk of getting killed yourself. So we try to add that little bit of realism into the game. Uh, another card that's in there is called Prison Snitch. And so if you talk a whole bunch of shit when you get incarcerated at some point, uh, that may come back to haunt you. And if you draw that card, you end up getting three found evidence tokens. And then the police are on your ass right away. You know, so again, a little bit of realism. Uh, we have a expansion called World of Serial Killers, which has different things in there related to all of the different serial killers. Now, each one of our expansions has an additional 70 killers. So we're not fucking around when it comes to that. We dig deep. And we get all kinds of people in there. Uh, and the great thing about the game is, is that it's not just people that are common knowledge, right? You may get there and not know who the five killers that you have are on the table. And so the great thing is you can flip them over and we put a little bio on the back of them so you can get to know those killers and you can understand who they were. And you can play that character uh, when you're playing the game. So, you know, we try to make it as real as possible. We just released a police upgrade where you can actually play as the police, which is kind of cool. Uh, the cops have a dirty cop meter. So if you do all kinds of terrible shit like, uh, you know, accepting bribes or using police brutality or uh, racial profiling, your dirty cop meter will go up. If it gets all the way up, then the killers can turn state's evidence and throw your ass in jail. So, again, trying to keep with the realism of the game and allowing it to be as realistic as uh, the lives we live every day. Well, before I go into the other part of things, and you mentioned you have a lot of your customer base is educated in terms of they watch the documentaries, they listen to podcasts, all the different things within the topic. What would you say a good portion of your customer base is very smart to oh we know who ed gein is we obviously you know the big hitters jeffrey Dahmers and charles manson and you know you, you know the heavy hitters al capone whatever from different forms of this topic but like i said would you find your customer base to be educated even though the guys who are second and third tier per se uh some of them do uh some of them have studied a lot you know we get a lot of people that uh, we'll get people that are in their uh, criminal justice classes. They love it. 
So those people tend to know a lot of the lesser known serial killers uh, or lesser known killers. Um, and then we get people, which is interesting to me, that may have grown up around those crimes or have people that are affected by those crimes. You know, and that's always been kind of cool that they're interested in the game uh, because there is some uh, historical value to them. So we get some of that, too. And then other people that buy the game are just gamers, right? They love to play games. And this is an interesting, uh, a fascinating topic that is unlike any other game that's out there, you know, where we're not talking about, you know, dwarves and dragons and, you know, zombies, like we're talking about real straight up shit. Uh, people that are really out there really have done some things. And so it becomes educational for those people. Yeah, they get to play it because they love games and they love board games and card games. But then they also get to learn about like real history. Like these people were real people. They really lived, they breathed, they died uh, in some cases, and they killed other people. And as a and fans of the show know that I am a history background besides communication and such. And that's part of what intrigued me to the game and when doing my homework and stuff. And I want to mention here that Jeff has a clothing line and different things. And we got a visitor as well. Who's your friend there? This is Frankie, uh, one of my three cats. She is roaming around, probably going to try to get up on my keyboard like she always does. All good. But as I was saying there, you know, that's kind of what initially attracted to <laughs> me to you because of the history factor of things. Being said, it was real life shit, as you said. But I'm going to put the link to the link tree because that has links to everything. The game and the clothing, which is starting to uptick and just everything that he's got going on. I but got the two other, orders today. Which right is on. Like, yeah, it's always good. You know, I got somebody that bought a hoodie today. And then somebody, like, literally, as I was getting on this, picked up one of our T-shirts. So it's always good. <laughs> exactly. And we always appreciate supporting a small business such, such as yourself and such. And I know you were saying there about people getting an education with the real-life side of things. And full disclosure, I rode in two of the days at a convention with Jeff and we got a chance to rap. And what really sold me for him is he was telling me stories as far as interactions with people who were close to the crimes and such. And it's obviously not my story to tell, but can you publicly talk about some of the interactions you've had? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, like, for example, uh, one of the, the co-creators of the game, a uh, buddy of mine, his grandmother uh, was almost killed by Donald Harvey, which was he was a nurse here in Cincinnati, where I, where I currently live. And they worked at a hospital together. He was in the middle of his killing spree, killed upwards of 200 people. And, uh, you know, he was smothering and poisoning them. Uh, like giving them extra medication and stuff. So during that time, she had gotten sick and they were talking about the possibility of admitting her into the hospital. And so, you know, Donald went to her and said, hey, 
you know, Nora, if you, uh, if you get sick, I'll make sure I take care of you. Now, in the middle of his killing spree, uh, you know, that's a scary, scary thing. So she ended up surviving. He got caught not too long after that. Uh, apparently, there was an interview done with him, and they asked him about his next victim. And his next victim was going to be Nora Williams. So, uh, so my buddy who helped me create the original game, uh, Michael Williams, uh, that was his grandmother. So before we released the original game, we actually went to her and sat down and showed it to her and asked her, like, hey, you know, what do you think about this? You know, Donald is in the base game. And she said, honey, you go make your money. And, uh, you know, she was a really big supporter of what we were doing. And, you know, she passed away about a year ago. I guess maybe a year and a half ago now. It was right about the time that we actually released and went live uh, that she had ended up passing away. But, you know, that's just, you know, one of the connections that I have with true crime. You know, my dad uh, was, <laughs> was involved in all kinds of wild shit. You know, so I grew up with it. You know, he met Manson in the early 60s, uh, almost tried to rob Manson of his drugs, all kinds of wild shit. Uh, you know, he knew a bunch of true crime figures. I am not Italian at all. I am a quarter Polish, a quarter German and half Filipino. Uh, but half of my family that's married in is all Italian. Uh, I grew up right outside of Philadelphia, uh, you know, in Wilmington, Delaware, of all places. And my Another family, kinship, by the way, for us, I thought. Absolutely. Uh, but part of my family owned a bunch of restaurants there in the tri-state area. And uh, they were all fronts for the mob in the 70s. So, you know, we had lots of connections. I got an Uncle Sonny and, you know, um, you know, all kinds of stuff. But, you know, growing up with that, you know, my dad knew Angelo Bruno. Uh, he knew Nicky Scarfo. He knew Philip Testa. So we knew all the guys, like the big names in the Philadelphia mob. And, you know, he was had a sit down with uh, with Angelo about three weeks before they blew his brains out. So, you know, I've been around it my entire life. So it was just natural for me to always be interested in it. Uh, one of my first memories uh, is going down to the Wilmington Public Library. And I got out a book called Lansky. And it is a book, uh, a biography on Meyer Lansky, you know, and if you don't know who Meyer Lansky is, he was kind of the brains behind the mob, uh, not an Italian either. He was a, a Jew, and uh, but he was good friends with uh, Lucky Luciano, and he was the one that, you know, really had all the ideas. And so he was the one that created the, the whole five families and everything and gave uh, Luciano the idea to do that and how to make the commission and all of that stuff was all ideas that Lansky had. So, you know, growing up as a kid, I must have taken that book out of the library 30 times, right? Uh, so it was just a fascinating subject for me. And, you know, I just have kept it going up until this day. And I just keep getting more and more interested now that, you know, today I was just researching uh, the Delphi murders because they just, uh, you know, arrested a guy for that. So we'll see in the next week or so what they convict him of. Uh, he's been, con you know, or not convict him of, but what they've, uh, what charges they've brought against him. 
They've currently charged him with two murders uh, of the two girls. But, you know, what evidence do they have? I don't know. Uh, I don't know what they have. You know, nobody's talking right now. So anyway, but I'm always interested. <laughs> and as soon as you mentioned about Angelo Bruno and God, I know my phone is going to ring as soon as this gets out. I It's found the case. But the only Bruno I know is sports broadcaster and legendary Philadelphia guy, Tony Bruno from Into the Night, which I'm sure there's a relation with. God, I know Miss Robin's going to call me. Like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Who is his producer and now wife, whatever you want to, long-time girlfriend? God, I know she's going to call me, but going, what the hell are you doing talking about Tony and the mob? <laughs> he is not you know, associated. It, <laughs> it's funny because, you know, kind of circling back around to the wrestling thing. Yeah. You know, I grew up there in Wilmington, and I was uh, growing up, uh, I was pretty close with uh, Captain Lou Albano. Oh, God. So he, he ran a little wrestling gym and did a bunch of shows, like, right down the street from my house at a little, like, bingo hall that they had there. And so, you know, I grew up around him. My dad was really good friends with him. Did they have vodka there? Uh, um, I don't know. I was, I was little when all that happened. <laughs> I was probably eight, nine years old. But uh, I used to go, I remember I used to have uh, a bunch of pictures of the Cheetah Man, who was one of the, like, indie wrestlers from, from Wilmington. <laughs> I wonder if that Cheetah Man was, and this is going inside baseball and that as well, I wonder if that was Ted Petty. I don't know. I'm not sure because I, I didn't know his real name. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, Ted Petty, the wrestling fans at least will know as from Public Enemy in ECW, so... But, all right, I don't feel like talking to you right now. Uh, phone was ringing. <laughs> so, anyway, like I was saying, we're going to put the LinkedIn link to all outlets of this so you can check out the game and everything else. But I want to talk a little bit about the panel, which I would like folks to check out that full panel that Jeff did at the convention. So, well, first and foremost, with that, you mentioned to me over that weekend that you are currently working on a book. So what is the book? So I, I'm working on a book called, uh, the current working title uh, is Brushes with Death. Uh, it'll probably end up being the title of it anyway, because I'll probably self-publish, because uh, <laughs> everything I do is self-publishing right now. Uh, but anyway, the, the basic idea for the book is, is I want to chronicle uh, other people's stories of these close encounters with different killers. So I have a bunch of stories of my own because of my dad and, you know, the different people that I've been around. And that really kind of started this off. You know, all of these random encounters that we all have with people in everyday life. And, and the real intention behind that is is I want people to understand that it is not special circumstance, right? We are around this all the time. We encounter people all the time that we don't know what their intentions are and whether they have or in fact will kill another person. And so I think it's important that we look at those things and we see those stories so that we have better awareness. It's the same reason why I created the game. I want people to have awareness 
that you don't live in a bubble. These people are around you. And if you don't pay attention, you could be in deep shit. So, you know, there are plenty of people out there when you look through the history and, you know, I don't like to talk a lot about victims and stuff, but most of those people didn't plan on being victims, right? They didn't put themselves in situations for that to happen. It happened. So if we're not aware and we're not cognizant of the type of people that are around us, the behaviors they might display, the actions that they may take, the manipulation that they can do, if we're not uh, aware of all those things, we run the risk of becoming potential victims. And, you know, yes, our, uh, our technology is getting better. Yes, they're able to identify people faster. But guess what? They got to kill somebody for us to identify them, right? You can't find people before they commit a crime currently. Uh, so if that's the case, your best defense against that is awareness and your gut. So taking those things in account, you know, I wanted to chronicle this book and talk about some of those stories, some of those encounters where people were at restaurants and one of these people walked in. Uh, I met a girl at a convention and this will be part of the book, uh, you know, that her and her family were sitting in a restaurant. Uh, the parents got up to use the bathroom while they were sitting there. A gentleman came up to the table, ended up being Ted Bundy. Uh, Ted Bundy tried to pick up her sister. Her sister was 14 years old, you know? So, you know, and years later when they finally called him, she said, holy shit, that was the guy at the restaurant. You know, if you guys weren't there with me, I would have went home with him. So it's things like that that we don't really think of. You know, you know, I had a flat tire. This guy stopped and talked to me, tried to get me to get in his car and take me to the, you know, to the, uh, the tire place or the automotive place down the road. You know, I got a funny feeling, so I didn't go. You know, shit like that happens all the time. And if we're not cognizant, if we don't understand that those types of situations can happen, you know, uh, it, it's not, I don't want to make everybody feel like, you know, oh shit, I got to be on guard all the time. But if you get a funny feeling, trust your gut. Make sure that you don't put yourself into a situation where you could be compromised because there are terrible people out there that will do whatever to get what they want. And speaking of that, and we were say, talking about this tongue in cheek as well, was that gut feeling that we, you and me, have because of the region we grew up in and I still live in being the Northeast Philadelphia area. And, you know, we were laughing and joking about it, but what you just said there and we were talking about is so true that you have to be aware of your surroundings and you have to really get a good feeling on things. You know, I live in here in Cincinnati. It's, uh, it's funny. And, you know, every city has crime, right? Every city has places where, you know, oh, man, you shouldn't walk down that street late at night because uh, bad things will happen. And with that being said, crime happens everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just the inner city. 
it's, let's be uh, real about you know, it it's, you know? yeah it's in the suburbs it's all over the place however if you're aware and if you give off that certain air of uh hey you don't want to fuck with me uh you will stave off a lot of bad shit that could happen to you right you know a lot of it is attitude if you have the right attitude and people know and can feel that coming from you generally most criminals uh most rapists most murderers know how to tell a mark they know they can just feel it they can pick out the right person that they know is going to be a good victim and that's the person they go after so if you are not a victim and you don't act like a victim your probability for getting out of a situation safely is about 80 to 90 percent uh so uh, if you're able to do that, give off that little air of uh, don't fuck with me, uh, you're got a lot of lot better chance of getting away. And, and it's funny because now you look at me, right? I got glasses, right? I got these. Uh, I look a little bit. Uh, uh, I can't think of the word. Uh, a little hipster, right? I got the hair parted on the side. Uh, but a promise. Uh, if you put me in the right situation, I'm not smiling anymore. Mm -hmm. uh i fought professionally for a long time uh you don't want to see me like that i'm a and very nice guy most of the time but uh don't don't get it twisted <laughs> and as we were joking that we're nice guys and all that but that, that don't fuck with me button is that right there under the skin if it needs to come out <laughs> that we have for sure and it's funny that you say that about giving that air off because it reminded me of when i was coming home and I don't know why the hell I did this. I should have said, shoot me. I decided to take the bus into town for the convention and reminded me of a little bit of a story. On my way home, we had to go through Atlanta. And of course, of course, Atlanta, where the station is, where we were changing out, it, let's just say it's, to be nice, a shady side of town. It, it, they all, everybody has them, whatnot. I've been to Atlanta before, nice town, good food, all that stuff. But where this station was, not great. Mind you, it's also 3.30 in the morning. So, or three, or it might have been 4.30, whatever, at this point. So, sure enough, we break down about a quarter mile from the station. And I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, I got a connection. And most people are like, I'm staying here. Uh, don't fuck with me face comes on grab my book bag grab my you saw the carry-on bag i had with like merchandise i picked up for other people and shit the marlboro bag grab that grab that a hey, driver i need to grab my bags work my bag on from under the bus are you nuts where's the station i do not feel like sitting in atlanta i'll walk the quarter mile <laughs> they're like well that could I heard somebody go, well, that guy's got some huts, but I'm following him. <laughs> I'm on that same connection. <laughs> Here we go. Then don't fuck me face. Off I went. And <laughs> yeah. Luckily, there was no issue, but it's like you had to put that game face on it. You were talking about like, here we go. I need to get that from point A to point B. And nobody's going to fuck with me. I'll bite your head off. <laughs> yeah. But, but like I said, game wise and i'm sure the book will be on there when it's done we'll put we'll be through the linkedin page which has all the social media all that fun stuff
but I want, like I said, I wanted to talk about the panel and people can check that out on the YouTube channel. I recorded everything for Jeff and put that out there. And it was a serial killer panel that you dove into. And obviously we could spend hours talking about the breakdown of this topic. I, how did you go about putting together all the different the nuances that you discussed during that 45 minute discussion? So uh, there, there's a couple different sources that I use. <clears throat> One of them is a good friend of mine, Steve Gianangelo. Awesome, awesome guy. Uh, he's a professor up in the University of Illinois. And uh, he teaches serial killer psychology up there. And, uh, you know, he has got a great thing going for me. He's written a couple books. Uh, he wrote the, the really preeminent book uh, on the psychology of the serial murderer. He is currently working on, excuse me, trying to get a, uh, a classification put in the DSM-5. Uh, or I guess whatever new edition they come out with, I guess it'll be the DSM-6. That is the diagnostic uh, manual for psychiatrists, psychologists. And so he wants to put a classification in there uh, for serial murder, right? And psychopathy. And really kind of change the definition of what it is. Because the classical thought is, you know, it was always uh, three kills with a cooling off period. Now they've re, uh, the FBI has redefined that is now two kills with a cooling off period. And I think that it needs to be pared down less than that. Uh, I think that intent needs to be taken into, into account. And so he is really kind of advocating for that and trying to get them to add that in uh, so that there is an actual classification. One of the things that, and I didn't even mention this in the panel, uh, I'm not sure why, probably because I only had 45 minutes. And one of the things that uh, psychopathy or a, uh, a, a psychopath or sociopath or sociopathy, none of those definitions or none of those terms are actual diagnoses. So they are not in the DSM-5. They are uh, descriptors of uh, of like a, what is the word I'm trying to think of? A uh, antisocial personality disorder. So they're descriptors of that. They are not actual terms. Like there is nobody that's classified uh, diagnosed uh, psychopath, right? It's not a diagnosis. It is a descriptor of some other antisocial personality disorder. Right. So, you know, I think it's uh, it's important to understand that when you're going in and you're talking about especially serial murder, because we tend to use those terms very loosely. You know, we talk about being people being psychopaths. You know, Charles Manson was a psychopath. Uh, you know, Ted Bundy was a psychopath. Uh, you know, uh, Michael Myers is a psychopath. Right. But the truth is nobody's diagnosed with that. That's that's not a diagnosis. So if you don't know that going in, it's hard to classify what people are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, really what 
differentiates all that is the lack of empathy because there are plenty of psychopaths, plenty of sociopaths that are fucking incredible in business uh, that have really successful businesses are really successful running and managing things and lead healthy, happy, successful lives. Doesn't mean they go and kill people. Mm-hmm. So lumping everybody into that uh, is kind of crazy. And also, you know, narcissists, even though it follows pretty closely with psychopathy and sociopathy, aren't always the same. We often use all of those things interchangeably, but they're not. They're very different. And uh, again, that's why a lot of times you need a somebody who's trained that understands the differences to be able to diagnose stuff like that. Um, you know, so I start out in the talk talking about that and talking about the differences between a psychopath and a sociopath, building up to then talking about what is a serial murderer? Like, what are serial killers? What are the three things that make somebody a serial killer? If psychopaths and sociopaths aren't always serial killers, then what the hell is a serial killer, right? That's the big question. Now, how I come at it, because I don't have uh, a psychology degree, right? So, you know, just being up front, you know, I'm not a expert in that. However, what I am an expert in is human behavior. And so, you know, I worked in uh, counseling specifically with kids for a very long time. So I did a lot of child psychology uh, and I was very abused as a kid myself. And I fit all of the qualifications for what everybody used to believe was a, was, was, uh, the potential to become a serial killer, right? Uh, the McDonald triad. I fit all three of those qualifications. So uh, I come at it from a very unique perspective with some, uh, with some real understanding at a personal level of what it's like to have these thoughts and how to deal with those and how to get away from those. So, you know, I come at it from that. And then I talk about in the talk I get into the different classifications, the different types of serial killers. Which and are four uh, types, correct? Yes. There, well, there's four main types. Yeah. Then there's a whole breakdown uh, within those types, you know, where you start talking about thrill killers and, you know, uh, you know, uh, I can't think of the word now, uh, lust killers and stuff like that. Those are a breakdown of some of the other uh, four main types. So, and you know, there, we encourage you to go check out the full panel, which I recorded, like I said, during the show. But as you were talking about that, the different types and stuff like that, you made me think of a book I have. And like I said, and people know I'm a history nut, but I'm also a nut with Kennedy and U.S. presidents and stuff like that. And yeah. I have a particular book here. I think if you can find it, you would appreciate it because it talks about JFK and RFK, but it talks about like the CIA and MK Ultra and, you know, the psychological side of things. It's called CIA Rogues and the Killing of the Kennedys by Patrick Nolan. And it's not, it has a forward done by uh, who does a lot of uh, – research from genetics and all that kind of thing of uh, Dr. Henry 
C. Lee. And, you know, it dives into the psychological aspect, like the MK Ultra Project, which I'm sure you're familiar with in your research. Yeah. And that development and different things of, you know, say the psychology of some some of these different topics. So that's what I was reaching you know, for. You know, it's funny when you start talking about MK Ultra, and you know, we talk about um, <laughs> you brought this up. Uh, so you know, the, you know, the political machine and our own government then going and drugging and uh, you know giving LSD to people in our communities to see what would happen, right? Uh, a huge social experiment. And, you know, uh, not that I lean any other way politically or anything. We just came through a pandemic, which seems to me is a huge fucking social experiment. Like to see what kind of stimulus, where are people willing to go? What are they willing to do? How will they respond to all of this stuff? And uh, I think to me, that's scarier than anything else. Uh, whether they're, you know, no matter where you fall in the line, you know, obviously uh, COVID was a real thing. I got it. I was sick. Uh, you know, it was not nice. And there were lots and lots of people that died from it. So not taking anything away from any of those people or any of those families that were affected by that. Uh, but you wonder, where did all that shit come from? How did all that shit transpire? You know, I don't know the answer to that. Nobody knows the answer to that. But it's scary when you then go and look back 50, 60 years ago and you see that our own government was drugging its population to see what would happen. We know that uh, Ted Kaczynski, right, was one of the people that was in MKUltra, in the project, and it fucked him up. Or uh, Sirhan so Sirhan was another Exactly. So all of these people that we look at now that create that cause some of these different high profile crimes were possibly all part of that. Uh, same thing with uh, James. Uh, uh, no, not James Earl Ray. Uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. Right. Also possibly part of that. Charles Manson. Another one possibly also part of that. So it's like, you know, uh, to say that our government is far removed from that. I don't know if that's the case or not. Yeah. Anyway, just food for thought. Yeah. Uh, we not can, that I'm we a can dive deep in it. Yeah. We can. I'm not a conspiracy per person, but people, I think, over, how do I put this? Educate yourself. Don't be afraid to do a little reading. Don't be afraid to, and don't just, like you said, I'm not going to get political, but don't go with what just CNN tells you or Fox News tells you. Just don't get your information from one outlet. You have to remember that everyone, and I mean everyone, has an agenda, right? Everybody is looking out for their own best interests, whatever that may be. Myself, personally, uh, I want you to buy some fucking games, Yes. Right? Buy my products. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I do all this stuff because I love it and I'm passionate about it. But you know what? Just like everybody else, I got to pay the bills and I got to I got to, you know, take care of keep the lights on, <laughs> pay yeah. my phone bill, you know, and we all figure out ways to do that. Yeah. So, you know, 
uh, I am one of those people that I won't bullshit you. Uh, you know, the great game is a lot of fun, like me. but it also uh, makes us some money, which is nice. You know, I had one time, uh, and this is one of the things that, uh, that I get sometimes that people complain about, you know, profiting off of uh, all of this stuff. Here's the thing. Uh, there are documentaries out there, uh, like, for example, not, well, not necessarily a documentary, but a show that is out there that has made millions of dollars right now. You know, that new lovely show on Netflix uh, about Dahmer, right? Has done all kinds of things. Guess what I'm not doing? I ain't making any kind of money like that. You know, so, you know, people will get upset and say that. But to me, this is something I'm passionate about. Uh, it's not something that I am like, hey, I'm going to make a million dollars next week. No, it's a card game. You know, only so many people play card games. But what I do like to do is I like to get it out there. I like people to be aware of those things. And uh, hopefully when they meet me or they talk to me or they watch stuff like this, they understand that there is more passion behind it mm -hmm. uh, than just trying to go and grab money. Because I've been accused of that before. And if people would understand that, you know, we're at a point a year and a half into the business uh, that I have just basically broken even, right? I spent over $30,000 to get this stuff together, and we have just made right around that uh, to produce the game. So it's like, you know, yes, it's true crime. Yes, it's hot right now. But you know what? It's been hot for a thousand years. Everybody wants to know about, you know, who killed who. Uh, there are two things that will always make money. Sex and death. That's it. They will always make money. Exactly. And that's a good place to wrap. But I want to give you the floor because obviously we taught the game. We talked about the panel, which we want people to watch and all. But the game. What would you tell people that we haven't told people already about it to at least encourage them, check it out, maybe buy the base game, get the expansion. And by the way, if you follow Jeff and all, which will throw that social media stuff out there as well. He just announced, I believe it was yesterday, upcoming schedule through 2023. So, Holy shit, yeah. I have something like 22 conventions that I'm going to be at between now and next, like, July. Uh, the schedule is crazy. Uh, this weekend, I, I double book myself. How I do that is beyond me. But uh, I do. Uh, Done it. So I've got to be in Dayton, Ohio and Columbus this weekend. So I'll be in Dayton on Friday and Saturday at a gaming convention called a CadeCon. Uh, and then on Saturday, I'm going to be in Columbus uh, doing a convention called Torg. It is a video gaming convention, but they have a few select like tabletop games and stuff there. I'm going to be one of those. So I'll, <laughs> I've got a friend of mine that's coming in that's going to like take care of the booth in Dayton while I'm in Columbus up there selling and doing the whole thing up there. So it's going to be a wild weekend. Uh, you can check out the full schedule. I will be a whole bunch of places uh, here in the Cincinnati area, Columbus, Dayton. I go all the way down to Ocala, Florida. 
I'll be there in December, which is going to be incredible, uh, for a horror convention called Spookala. I actually uh, just I'll heard be- from them, so for oh nice they are are you going? I can't. Are you going could, down there? I might be making a trip down seventy-five to Ocala, but we'll see. Oh my I, goodness! I, I just, like I said, within the past twenty-four hours, just heard from them for coming, wanting to bring me down. So we'll see. Nice. So, and I saw that on your schedule, but go ahead, sir. I cut you off. <laughs> That's awesome. So you know, I'll be down in Knoxville, Tennessee. They've got a Bride of FrankenCon, which is FrankenCon's second uh offering uh they just had their first convention last year it was a huge success so they're doing a second one i missed the first one uh i am not going to miss this one uh the same thing with spookala they had their first one uh like six or eight months ago and this is their second one and so i missed out on the first one i was upset too because they they offered me a booth like a free booth to go down there and do it but i was already engaged at another convention so i couldn't make it but uh but i'm excited to do it this time uh let me think oh about the game uh what else you need to know about it is it's a lot of fun you know we've talked about the history and stuff like that here's the thing there is let me see where's it at because i grabbed a copy of it right this is the base game here look at that you can see around my whole room the reflection but uh anyway on the front of it like we ended up putting a warning label on it it says this game contains sensitive material that some players may find disturbing. So here's your disclaimer. If you are super sensitive and uh, you may take issue with a bunch of things, you should probably not play Killers the Card Game. If you don't give a shit and you like to have a good time and uh, you are uh, irreverent and love all of that stuff, this is the game for you, right? Uh, you know, it is one of those things. And one of my favorite things about the game is you can make it as dark and as dirty as you want it to be, right? It's an RPG for that reason. You can go in and describe all of the crimes that you want to commit. That's completely up to you. Now, what I often tell people at conventions and stuff that I'm at is you will find out real quick what friends you don't want to hang out in their basement anymore. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like. We can't go over your house anymore. We need to go to Starbucks and play this game because uh, I can't be alone with you. (laughs) And with all that being said, I'm, and I think you get this right for me, but I think of the old George Carlin bit in terms of if there's something you don't like, whether it be on the TV, on the radio, a podcast, a card game, whatever it is, if you don't like it, Change the channel. Guess what? Move on. Find something you do like. See, and that's the thing that, uh, you know, we live in a society and we live in a world uh, that people want to get offended by everything. Um, And it's difficult sometimes. Uh, The sad thing is, is that if you live your life that way, you end up missing out on a lot of your life. Because you stay angry and you stay upset at other people. You know, nobody gives a shit. Like, you can be mad at me because you don't like what I say. Guess what? That doesn't affect me at all. Right? (laughs) I'm not going to get upset about it. You're going to be upset about it. 
it's the same thing i see people that have road rage all the time yelling and screaming at people in their car and i always wonder about the other people in the car with them because me as the other driver or as other drivers around i can't hear what you're saying and i don't give a fuck if you're mad anyway but guess what that other person sitting in the car with you has to hear your nasty ass mouth and you yelling and screaming the whole time they don't deserve that either well so, you said just, you said it best when we were going in like i said I rode in with Jeff at two of the days for the show. But when we're going one of the days, it might have been Sunday. You said it perfectly along this line. And you were talking about a particular family member. I'm not going to put shit out there. But you got a call about a particular family member being in a vicinity of something. And your wife gave you shit for not being, oh, my God, oh, my God. But you, you said it like, hey. Until there's a reason for me to be concerned, I'm not going to be concerned. Yeah. And that made perfect sense. And the logic I usually go with with thinking until I need to be concerned or until I need to go address this particular situation, there's nothing I can do. It don't affect me. Yeah. You know, my my dad taught me that when I was young, you know, when when I was growing up, it, it seemed like there was nothing that could ever bother him. And, you know, he set me down one time and he said, Jeff, listen, if you can't change it or you can't make it different, then why the fuck are you worried about it? Like, there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, you know, if you can change it, go and change it. But if you can't and it's outside of your control, then why worry about it? You're not doing anybody any good by worrying about it or getting upset about it or being angry. Uh, there's no point in that. So I let a lot of things roll off my back. It's no big deal. Uh, you know, uh, that specific uh, uh, incident, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty open book. I'm not worried about it. Uh, but there, I got a phone call, and there was an active, school, uh, a sh- an active shooter at my son's school. Uh, it was outside of Chicago, and I got that call about halfway through my workday. Uh, my initial reaction was, you know, is he okay? And they were like, yeah, they've quarantined all the kids into one room. Uh, the police are there. They're handling the situation. Okay. Uh, my next my next thought was, oh, shit, I might have somebody else I can add to the card game. Uh, you know, and some people I laugh, got upset but it's not funny, like, but it's funny, but yeah. <laughs> so Some people got upset at me and were like, whoa, you know. Uh, you don't care about your son. It has nothing to do with that. Uh, the truth is, is my son is over four hours away from me. There is nothing that I could physically do to be there, right? Four hours away, I can't drive that far. I can't even get on a plane fast enough before the situation is going to be over, right? Why would I get upset and let that destroy everything else that I'm doing when there's nothing I can do about it? Right. You know, would it make me sad if something happened or something happened to other kids at school? Yes, that would be a terrible event. It would be terrible that that happened. But does that mean that it's going to derail everything that I have to do? No, because uh, last time I checked, the tax man doesn't give a shit about what's going on in my life. Uh, They expect me to have the money when it's time to pay. Mm -hmm. Uh, So. You know, life goes on. You have to move forward. You have to do things. Uh, And 
you know, I'm glad that it ended up not being a big deal, uh, that they ended up catching the kids that, uh, I think it was one or two kids, uh, but they ended up catching them before they could do any harm, uh, which is great. And, you know, not everybody can say that. Uh, there's plenty of school shootings that happen all the time now. It's and, you know, unfortunately too frequent, but, you know. Yeah. And, you know, there are real people that are affected by that. And, uh, yeah, fuck that dude who was talking all that shit about, you know, uh, it was crisis actors and all that stuff. I got to tell you, like, fuck Alex uh, Jones. Yeah. yeah. You know, when we go and start talking, I cannot believe that somebody didn't whoop his ass. Uh, him and all of those other people that were saying that uh, it's just idiotic uh, to believe that and to sit there and say when all of these family members are mourning the loss of their children that oh they weren't real people get the fuck out of here you know why uh, would you fake and I think I'd mention this to you you know going why is a father out of all this shit you got to worry about why would you fake something like that about your son or any logical thinking parent? Yeah, it's, it, it's craziness. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's people deciding to buy into conspiracy just to buy into conspiracy. And, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of things I have questions about. That is not one of them. Uh, you know, and, and it's sad that those things happen. It's sad that they happen so frequently now. And I feel for the families that are affected by that. But yeah, like, yeah, I saw today, uh, I saw today that they, uh, I know that they had uh, taken life. uh, What's his name? Uh, The guy who was involved in Parkland. Uh, He was sentenced today to life in prison. Uh, They had taken the death penalty off the table. And, you know, now he's sentenced to life in prison. I'm glad that they did something. And uh, that, you know, Christ, that he's not going to get out or be able to get out in 25 years or something. Because he's a young guy, too. Right. He'd only be in his like 50s, 60s by the time he got out. And uh, he deserves to stay. uh, You know, you know, he deserves everything. Yes. Yeah. And nothing can bring back these families, kids or any of that stuff or whether it be the teachers or whoever was affected, not just in Parkland, but in all these other cases that's happened, what, 20, 25 years. It's become relevant since uh, Colorado when I was still in high school. So, but like you said, I'm glad something came out of it and I'm not afraid to say it. Fuck them. Yep. So, but on a more positive note, well, with that all being said, you know, no matter what the topic is, be I like people to be open minded as far as whether you're talking about history things or news topics or don't just rely on one source is kind of what we're getting at. But on a more positive note to end this as well, we were talking about Killers the Car Game. We're going to be including a commercial starting in the next week or so. I'm going to get with Jeff again to uh, finish details on how we want to present that because obviously I like people being involved with promoting their products. So that's going to be cool and check out the game. I saw it firsthand folks. Like I said, at the beginning of this, it's, I want to support people. And obviously when they join on with us, I want it to be a product that 
I would go out and buy or I would go out and read, as you could see the book or bookshelf, which I got two of those full and still spilling out. And you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm not just gonna promote stuff to promote stuff. So I'm gonna have the LinkedIn link to everything, Jeff social media to purchase game, all that fun stuff. So is there anything else we didn't hit on, Jeff? Uh, I don't think so. I think we hit on a lot. You know, uh, one of the things I thought of when you were saying that uh, is, you know, history doesn't have to be boring. And that's one of the main reasons, you know, why I created a game. Because I think that we often learn best when we're having fun. And so, you know, it doesn't have to be something that, you know, is horrific. And, and even though it is a horrific topic, uh, if we're going to learn about it, enjoy it while you're learning it, right? We're all ingesting all this shit anyway, right? We're watching all the documentaries. We're watching, a, we're re listening to all the podcasts. Well, we do that because it's entertainment. Well, continue to enter entertain yourself and have fun with it. And sometimes it's okay to be tongue in cheek, even if it's a serious subject, right? Yeah. You don't have to be uh, super stuck in the mud uh, and uh, upset about everything. Have fun with it, uh, but understand what it is, because understanding and awareness is everything. Well, actually, I'm just thinking of it and more lighthearted question here for my final. We met and got connected through the horror world and the horror convention and everything else like that, and a mutual buddy of ours mark up in uh, new york does the jason masks and he's a fellow sponsor of the show and such but what is your favorite horror franchise and there you go which one is that from uh this is uh i think part four i believe uh, yeah not, not that i look yeah so i'm gonna guess is uh friday the 13th your favorite series or no what do you know? So I, I got this right because Mark is awesome. Yeah. And he has Camp Blood Customs and I love his work. I am not a Jason fan at all in any way, shape or form. And so I, I pretty much hate uh, Friday the 13th. I'm not a huge fan of, uh, of Freddy uh, and Rob, uh, oh, I don't say this because Robert England is a really nice guy. But uh, the whole uh, Friday uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, I am a huge, huge Michael Myers fan. On Halloween night, I went and saw uh, the original Halloween in the theaters. It was my first time. I'm 42, and I, it came out two years before I was born, so I never got to see it in the real theater. And so I went this last Halloween to go to the real theater and watch it on the big screen, and it is incredible. I love it. Uh, I, I don't know. I my so here's the story around that. My dad made me watch Halloween and Texas Chainsaw Massacre when I was five years old. Right when my son was five years old, I carried on the tradition and I made him watch Halloween with me. So uh, when he was bad, when he was a kid. I would put on my screen accurate Michael Myers costume and chase him around the house. So I may or may not have put some psychological scars on my son. Uh, but when he was nine, he comes to me and he says, daddy, I want to be Michael just like you. 
So we went out and we, I go bought him like a little Michael Myers costume and we went out trick or treating. Last year, we went out again as father and son. My son's now, well, then he was 16. Uh, now he's 17. But we went out as big and little, well, I guess I'm little Mike now because he's taller than me, 6'2". Uh, and I'm only six foot. So, you know, uh, we went out as Michael Myers again and wore our costumes and terrorized the neighborhood. It was great. I loved it. Uh, but yeah, that's my favorite horror franchise. I'm, and I even love Halloween ends. So all of you want to hate on me for that. I literally, if you go into my, my Etsy store right now, I just made a t-shirt with Michael Myers on it and the, uh, the bush. And it says, um, Oh my God, shit, I'm on my phone right now. What does it say? It says, uh, simply the best, the original slasher, uh, better than all the rest. It's a great shirt. <laughs> and you noticed from the show we were at, but I make, and of course I felt nice. I love that. And of course, Saturday night of the convention, I would, well, both Friday and Saturday, I was drinking with some of the celebrity guests who are friends of the show and everything else like that. But, and obviously you were doing your own thing as well. It would have been cool to have you join a Saturday night at the VIP party drinking with a Michael Myers victim who's a, become a close friend. And obviously you heard me mention a show we were at. So I know folks will do some digging and figure out who it was I was hanging out with. And yeah, sweetest person, smart as a whip. I'm jealous of her smarts, speaks four different languages and all like that. It would have been fun to have you with us, but I'm sure we will make well, it. Well, Spookala is coming. Just saying. I wonder if she's booked for that show because we definitely would have to make that happen. <laughs> oh, my God. They're. I'll tell you what, what sold me on Spookala is they have a bunch of the, uh, another one of my favorite horror movies <coughs> is the Lost Boys. And they've got a bunch of the Lost Boys cast that are going to be there. So I'm super excited. You know, uh, who doesn't want to want to go and meet, uh, you know, Corey Feldman? What? Dude, you know, the Corey's now. I wonder if he's going to play. Yeah, because he's he has doing a concert and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, because they always do concerts and shit. I wonder if his band is going to play. And uh, I heard one of their last songs. It was not good. <laughs> yeah. we were, I'm just saying, it was I, terrible. I've been going back and forth with Corey about doing something for St. Jude's. But, uh, yeah, it seems like an interesting cat. But Yeah, yeah, he seems like a super nice guy. Yeah. Uh, he's. I'm sure he's got a wild-ass story because, uh, you know, yeah, being a child actor and doing all that stuff. Yeah, I'm sure his story is wild. <laughs> and again, I know my phone will go off. I'll, I'll say who it was. It was Christina Cleave. I was hanging out with most of the weekend. So from the Rob Zombie uh, Halloween. So you know, I almost said something to her on Sunday because I was I was over there because I went and saw R. A. Mil, uh, Milhoff. Yeah, uh, next door. Yeah, yeah, he was right next to her. And I went up there and I, I ended up getting his autograph and he was messing with me because oh. he was like, he was like, oh, you know, Jeff can wait because he's not a paying customer anyway. <laughs> it's like, what? 
Uh, dude, uh, RA is amazing. Oh yeah, and I know we got sidetracked, folks, but here, but good RA story because you know know the guy from for a little over a year now because we did this and all that stuff, and ju- he is a big food and drink guy, and because of the fortune of doing the cons and stuff. You ask RA, hey, I'm going here or I'm going there, whatever the case is, for whatever reason. Guaranteed, he could tell you, good place to go eat, good place to go drink, whatever the case is. He'll tell you. And he's usually spot on. But my funny RA story is we were, when we first got connected and we were doing this, having a conversation stuff for the show, we got talking about another guy, buddy of it, Kane Hodder which I didn't get a chance to really see King because of how busy he was all weekend. But we were talking about them working with each other in Hatchet 2. And I'm sure you've, you've seen Hatchet 2, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. And they had the fight scene and all that, as Victor Crowley and R.A. and such. And at that point, the story goes, it, it might have been at that point or right beforehand, Kane had torn his bicep. Tearing your bicep, and I'm no doctor, I just play one on here. And the bicep is one of those weird injuries, but you would know as a former fighter and stuff that you might not need to have surgery on for it to heal and whatever. And we're sitting there going, I don't know what do you know if he got it fixed? Did he do surgery? Did that, you know, we're completely off uh kilter like we are now. And it's like, I don't know. So we're sitting there talking, debating it. I text Kane. I shoot Kane a text. And I go, hey, man, I'm talking to RA, whatnot. Did you have your bicep surgically repaired? Dang, minute, 90 seconds later, it's a picture with Kane going like this. And it's bruised from elbow to armpit, practically. You know, wall of blood and, you know, how it builds up an injury. Like, I guess, what the fuck you think I did? (laughs) <laughs> Kane, yeah. to, Kane Touche Dude, uh, Kane So this is this is a funny story and, and this will tell you how much I don't like Jason uh, In Friday the 13th uh, I have not gotten Kane's autograph yet Because I don't like Jason Which is funny because My favorite Friday the 13th movie Is Jason Takes Manhattan which is Kane's first Friday the Thirteenth movie, right? Second, second. Oh, is it his second? Was he in? He or was seven. in five, seven. Oh Kane. yeah, because that was seven, yeah. six. Yeah. Wait. So anyway, it's just it's really funny, and so I mess with him about it at every convention I'm at. So I went up and I got RA uh, to sign uh, um, Texas Chainsaw Three, and while I was up there waiting for him, uh, Kane saw me. Because, I mean, you can't miss me. I got a huge fucking skin hat on, right? So, uh, so Kane sees me and he waves at me and he says, Doesn't mind hey. fucking with you. Yeah, Kane will fuck with you. Yeah. Oh, he'll fuck with you. So I always fuck with him back. So I, I didn't realize I was in uh, the line at, uh, at Horror Hound last March because I was vending. And when I was there, or no, 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 it was, it was last September. They were both there. Uh, Kane Hodder was there and uh, oh I'm trying to think what his name is uh, oh he played Michael Myers in uh, number two uh, Halloween two 
the original Halloween too, right? In yeah, the original Halloween too. Uh, it was uh, uh, Warwick. Uh, Dick, yeah. Dick Warlock. There we go. It was Dick Warlock who played yeah. him in Halloween too. So Dick was there, him and his wife. And I went up and I got Dick's autograph and Kane was messing with me. And he sees the hat and me and Dick are talking about the hat and that it's, uh, you know, that it's uh, based on Ed Gein, right? Mm-hmm. Who I'm wearing on my shirt today. Probably. Uh, but Kane thought, and he says, you realize there's at least one person here uh, that played Ed Gein in a movie, right? And I didn't realize at that time that it was Kane Hodder that played yeah. Ed Gein. And he also played BTK. I didn't know that. So I literally have both uh, the BTK movie and the Ed Gein movie in my bin waiting to take to go and uh, get autographed by Kane. Uh, but since I fuck with him so much, I still haven't gotten it done. Yeah. Well, <laughs> as you can see, because I was just finishing redoing the house, I got a huge DVD cabinet here full. And I probably got to have to do another one because Warner Brothers, for some reason, likes to keep sending movies, which I'm appreciative of. You know, hey, thank you very much, Warner Brothers. You know, got to get that plugged in. In fact, I got two sitting in my FedEx box, but that's a whole nother. <laughs> I got to go get. <laughs> but Jeff, we've been bullshitting over an hour. He's welcome to the family, but Killer the Car Game, check out folks and also check out the panel. Jeff, thank you so much. Hey, thank you so much, man. It was uh, it was a pleasure. Uh, I'm glad we got to hang at Scarefest and uh, develop this relationship and uh, and keep it going, baby. And hopefully we will see each other in December. Yeah, I'm down, baby. Uh, it is only a few, like, it's less than, it's what, a month away? A little over about a month that. away? About that, like yeah. second weekend of December, so. I got to tell you, I'm hoping that I can get down there a day early so I can run over to Disney. Uh, I'm just I know, saying. I, I, I know a couple of people. We might be able to make that happen. Uh, I, I know a few, too. <laughs> that, well, we, I think... We'll have to coordinate this. Jeff, thank you so much. Hey, no problem, man. Thank you. You annoyingly even kill? E-methamine could be right for you. I have a disease, alright? I need help! E-methamine lets you get gagged up on whoop chicken parts without yellowing one's teeth. Oh, yeah. Contact your doctor today if you experience the following. Oh my god! Increases in blood flow, boost in testosterone, ending of erectile dysfunction. You're naughty! This medicine is made for extreme cases of being depression. Oh, come on! Side effects include fits of rage, acne, bleeding in folks around you, whooping cough, hallucinations, comas, trouble swallowing, decrease in semen, increasing amounts of selling yourself, amnesia, night terrors, higher mortgage rates, and increased sensations in not having suicidal urges. Oh my.
Hi, I'm Jeffrey Reddick, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio.